okay. But Pierce Morgan's a piece of shit. <laughs> just have, how do you start the how do you start the podcast? Pierce Morgan's a piece of shit. That's how we're starting it. <laughs> Welcome back to Bruh, it's a murder. <laughs> well, I wholeheartedly believe Chris Morgan's is a piece of shit. How you doing, Vader? <laughs> oh man, that's the best opening I think I've ever heard in anything. <laughs> I'm Andre Matthews, this is Alex Acevedo, and this is the show where we talk about death <laughs> and murder that involve people of color. So, last time, I you went first. I did go first last time, yes. So this time, I go first. It was really bad. So I, well, yeah, because we were in an echoey storage room. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, you go first this time. Uh, just a heads up, I'm sick, and these names are Japanese. <laughs> I'm trying my best not to fuck them up, but I probably will. Now, let me paint the scene. It's 1930. <laughs> like a horror movie. It's 1930s Japan. And this is like before Hiroshima shit, so. But it's like pretty sure height of imperialism. Oh, okay. <laughs> so things were sketch. But hey, there's cherry blossoms everywhere. The food's bomb. <laughs> Everyone's living their best Japanese life. <laughs> I don't think jazz hit there yet. Okay. But it's probably on its way. I know the music was nice, though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the story of Sara, Abe, and, and a tale of love, erotica, expatiation, murder, necrophilia. <laughs> Sara, Abe, loved Kichiro Ishida. You actually got that. That's, I'm so surprised. I, I don't want to say it again. <laughs> she loved him so much that she went to the point of murdering him and cutting off his dong and keeping it as a keepsake. Oh. Right? All right. <laughs> On April 23rd, 1936, Sara Abe and Kishiro Ishida checked into a hotel in Tokyo. The plan was to have like a quick bang and go. Like, you know, just like a bump uglies and leave. Ishida, after all, did have a wife <laughs> to get back to. Play a play. But that afternoon turned to a night, and then at night turned to the next morning. And for the next couple of days, they kind of just stayed in bed, just frantically boning. Yeah, I, I... I get that. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> but there's no doubt. There's no doubt that the two were really passionate about each other. They refused to stop having sex so much so that <laughs> the maid walked in and they totally. <laughs> Housekeeping? <laughs> I join? I come in anyway. <laughs> I come in anyway. <laughs> but unfortunately for Ishida, that passion became deadly for him. <laughs> oh, man. Ishida had met Abe just two months before when he hired her to work as a waitress in his restaurant. Abe was playing her life of sex work, which happens when your parents force you into becoming a geisha. You know what a geisha is? I do not know what a geisha is. I think I've heard of it before, though. Yeah, you never seen Tales of a Geisha? No. The really good, depressing movie to watch. Uh, Stop playing with that with your foot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
like she was basically like a hard hostress that has to entertain men who are like really rich. Oh uh, god, no, I know it there. No, no, okay. So yeah, if you want to yeah. do that, go ahead. It's cool. But when your parents <laughs> force you into into doing it as a form of punishment for having too many boyfriends as a teenager, <laughs> it oh gets really god. shitty. Uh, Abe found his organized life of being a geisha, stifling, and beginning to work as a government licensed prostitute was her way out of that. Okay. Because so she's doing it on her own terms now. she was licensed. Yeah. yeah, she's licensed, making her own money. You go, but after getting, into ter- after getting into trouble for stealing from clients, she escaped the licensing system and found work in an illegal brothel in Tokyo. Oh, girl, what you doing? So she's, <laughs> she's, had a, she's had it hard. But however, after the brothel was raided by police, <laughs> Abe struck up a relationship with being a paid mistress to the brothel's owners and his friends. Upset with the way the men treated her, Abe decided to leave the prostitution for good, for like a, you know, good, normal job. Uh-huh. Well, normal to her, she figured. And took a work at the restaurant specializing in eel. Eel is really good. <laughs> I have, I've had eel one time, and I really liked it. Was it at, uh... Did you place we were able to go to? No. It was in North Carolina. I, I wouldn't trust you <laughs> in North Carolina. I liked it. It was good. Oh, wait. No, never mind. They have a coast there, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, just don't eat sushi from landlocked areas. <laughs> <laughs> like Tennessee or something. <laughs> I wouldn't get tilapia in Arizona. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> okay, so the owner of said eel restaurant was... Ishido, who soon took a great liking to Abe. The feeling was mutual between the two, okay. and they became passionately banging. I have to, I have to say, he he must have liked it because she had so many so much practice. You know, like that's why he probably just do, he dove right into it. You know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe she didn't tell him about her past. Cause you would you go around telling people about like your troubled past? I wouldn't say I was a prostitute to anybody. If you're a prostitute, you're a prostitute. But if it's something that you're not, she didn't. She seemed like she was ashamed of it and was running from it. So I doubt she run around just telling everybody that off the cuff. You know? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Just walk in. Ha! I was a prostitute once. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after their exchange in the hotel stay ended, Ishido returned to his wife, think everything was like calm, cool, and collected. Abe became intensely jealous and began drinking heavily, which honestly, same. <laughs> In May of that year, Abe purchased a kitchen knife and threatened to kill Ishido. Surprisingly, Ishido was turned on by it. Because <laughs> of that fear of violence. Okay. Honestly, again, same. Right. <laughs> Ishido and Abe rekindled their affair, and this time incorporating a knife into knife play. There's nothing wrong with knife play. Wait, wait. But typically, people use knife. When people do knife play, they use dull knives, <laughs> not a sharp, sharp not an actual sharp knife. Yeah, you wanted to be real. You wanted to be real. Yeah, safe and consensual. <laughs> During one sexual encounter, Abe placed the tip of the knife at the base of his genitals and threatened to cut off his dick if he went back to his wife. Ishido, however, enjoyed this element of danger and fear, and asked her to choke him during sex. Okay, yeah, I get it. On May 16th, two hours of erotic asphyxiation later, Ishidio was feeling the effects. <laughs> Homegirl liked fucked up his windpipe. In an affair amount of pain, he jokingly asked Abe to strangle him to death next time because it hurt too bad when she stopped. 
Yeah. But he said this as a joke. Like, pillow talk. Yeah, I just... Like, yeah, kill me, babe. Fuck me up. Next time? Fuck up my life, it. fam. <laughs> <laughs> Abe seemed to understand it was a joke, but the idea was planted deep into her subconscious. Two days later, Abe strangled him to death in his sleep. And this time, she didn't stop until he was dead. Wait, so wait. Does that mean they were having? she was, like, having sex with him or if he was asleep? No, I think... They probably got done having sex. He went to sleep. Oh, okay. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to choke you tonight. <laughs> and just choked him until he died. It's the night. Quote, after I killed him, Ishida felt totally at ease, as though a heavy burden had been lifted from my shoulders. I felt a sense of clarity, she said to police after, you know, everything came out. With a kitchen knife, she then severed off his genitals and carefully wrapped them in paper. Using Ishida's blood, she wrote, she wrote out... <laughs> We, Sara, and Ishida are alone on his thigh in his ball sack penis blood. <sighs> Finally, she carved her name into his arm with a knife and checked out of the hotel, taking Ishida's penis with her. I feel you, girl. <laughs> now, the hotel staff, of course, discovered Ishida's body and the cryptic message. The story immediately hit the press, and national panic erupted in the hunt for Sara Abe. Or she had a guy's penis, yeah. She had a guy's, yeah, dangerous woman holding a penis. If you see anything, if you see something, say something. <laughs> Reports from around the country came in that Abe had been sighted in a crowd in like a neighborhood kind of just walking around and those people in that neighborhood found out and they created, they became a mob to find her and like blocked off traffic and like just swarmed the place looking for her. Meanwhile, Abe was casually shopping in Tokyo and also caught a movie. So she was having a girl's day out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On May 20th, she checked into a hotel under a fake name where she spent the day writing farewell letters to her friends because she was planning on killing herself later that week by jumping off a mountain cliff. Okay. Want to go out, go big, or go home, right? Mm-hmm. In the meantime, she wanted to have sex with Ishida one more time. Oh. She unwrapped the severed penis... Put it in her mouth. Next, she tried to stick it up inside her vagina, but eventually gave up. Gave up. Quote, I wanted to take part of him that brought back to me the most vivid memories. <sighs> Meanwhile, the police were closing in on her. Detectives tracked her down to the hotel she was staying in and knocked on her door. Abe invited them in, admitted her identity, and offered the severed penis as proof. When she was arrested, the police asked Abe why she killed her former lover, and she replied, I love him so much. I want to hum all to myself. But since we are not husband and wife, as long as he lived, he could be embraced by another woman. I knew if I killed him, no other woman could ever, ever touch him again. So, I killed him. She was soon put to trial as curious crowd gathered outside of the courthouse. Abe asked to be executed. But the court censored her only to six years in prison. <laughs> It was a different time. <laughs> Alright. The sentence was eventually committed, and Abe walked after serving five years in prison. Jesus. Okay. Took up a real low profile. Uh, after she left, you know, she didn't want anybody to know who she was, knew who she was, and taking advantage of that, she gave interviews for a book titled A Woman Called Tata Abe. They made a movie about it. She they made it a into book her... and a movie. Yeah. Are you kidding me? She got a good deal. But eventually she returned I'm to cut some pieces off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, after you know that little brief time, she went back to working as a waitress, 
And for the next 20 years, she became, you know, remained a normal person, model employee. Then one day in 1970, she just disappeared. There's no record of where she went. She was just gone. And for <laughs> as for Ishido's genitals after the trial, his penis and testicles moved to Tokyo University and Medical School. And they kind of put it in like a little glass display. And weirdly enough, when Sada Abe disappeared, so did his penis. <laughs> oh my god. And they were They never put it in a glass box. Are you kidding me? And hey, and they were never seen from again. <laughs> wow, that is an insane, insane story. It's pretty rough. Girl. So I wonder how you have sex with a dead penis. Do you like. Isn't it solved? Like, there's no it, blood. It's gotta be solved. No, yeah. She's probably, she's probably like folded it in half. You know, if they had freezers back then, she could probably put it in a condom and then put a little bit of water in there, freeze it, and then technically you still be fucking his dick. On that note, let's <laughs> take like a quick break. <laughs> technically, should be fucking his dick. <laughs> and I mean, like, everyone's trying to tell me their issues, and I'm like, bitch, can you just cue up my drum? piece of paper she probably like because he's already dead how, yeah but it's so she didn't have decaying. how long was it until she went to the hotel room because like 13, a week. that's decay she, she probably kept it in the fridge for a little bit it, it probably, i'm not saying it wasn't decayed it probably was decayed but i don't know i don't know we have to call up a dick and see what happens in a week <laughs> <laughs> all right 
And we're back. Your turn. My turn. Are you done eating your peaches right now? Your candy peaches? The peach rings are the best, right? All right. Um, Finish chewing it. It's all gone. What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about my chewing habits. All right. So my story is not as elaborate as his, and I don't have as much detail as he had, but it's still a good, uh, it's still a good, uh, story. So, all right. So my story is on Michelle Renee Wayne. She was only 17 when she was abducted while walking to school, uh, in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina in Goldsboro. Um, in 19, in 1995, there was a string of just disappearances. Uh, women were taken, just being taken off the streets and no one really looked into it. It's kind of crazy. So on August 29th, 1995, she was abducted and then later found on August 29th, 1995. There are two, there's two different things now I found that her body was found uh, along a wooden line of off of Ratha Street in Girls, uh, Goldsboro. She was, she had been strangled and left for dead. That was by WRL News, but her dad, Eddie Wayne, had given a interview, and he said her body was found on the side of the road uh, off, the, off the North Street of George on August 29th, 1995. She had been strangled to death, and she was naked. Those are two different locations. One is the North George, and one is Wraith Street, which I'd rather believe her, her dad over another news article, because I don't know where they got their information, to be honest. Uh but I'm yeah, pretty sure her yeah, dad knows yeah. where the hell did they find her body. <clears throat> Unless he did it. And kind of mislead them. Oh, man. I I don't know. Imagine being killed by your dad. That's messed up. Don't kick shame. Oh, what? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, her father, Eddie Wayne, said this in an interview with WRL. I believe the circumstances that she was found in. It took at least two people. So she, he believes two people had to do this. He said one probably did it and the other one is a witness to it. I want I want that one to call, Wayne said. He also posted flyers around town with a $10,000 uh, reward to whoever gave him information about his daughter. Um, he went insane after his daughter got abducted. He as, like, as one would. Oh, yeah. He went around everywhere. He's still going around trying to find information because there's still no information about her. He goes around uh, walking through town with flyers and still asking people what's going on and stuff. He's... What's going on? <laughs> um, and the Goldsboro Police Department, um, they, had, they had had a statement and I didn't really like it. I guess it was... I felt like they were trying to cover their own asses by not really investigating so much. There was, they said this little girl, had, she was 17 years old, and she had a whole life ahead of her. Somebody saw fit to take her, take her from her, take her from her father, and that's something we'll never forgive. And that's all he said. Not, we're looking into it more. Not, that was who again? His name is Tim Bell. He's with the Gold, uh, Goldsboro Police Department. Okay. And I was for an interview with WRL. Um, but he didn't, they didn't say anything about looking further into it. He was just, he was just, I'm angry about this. This, you shouldn't have done this kind of like thing. I was like, come on. You, so he gave a generic statement. Yeah. Like, oh, I was like, at least say you're going to search more or get better into it. You know? Um, so there was another, uh, there was another shoot. There was a shooting and a death in July, two, uh, July 22nd, 2016. Um, 
So basically this ties in because Eddie Wayne and Tiffany Maddox was the mother of a, uh, a Taya. I can never say the name. It's like, it's spelled A T I Y A. Ataya, I think. So, uh, she was 17 years old too. She shot, she was shot inside of a car at the corner of Olivia Lane and Slaughter Street on July 22nd. Wait, what street? Slaughter Street. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the story. She meant to get murdered on Slaughter Street. <laughs> Fuck! Oh my god. So the story, the story, the story she was told is that Ataya was killed in the crossfire between two vehicles exchanging gunfire. In a protest spearheaded by Maddox, who who will be uh, accompanied by Wayne, the father Eddie, mm-hmm. by her account, seventeen or eighteen other families of murdered sons and daughters will convene in downtown Glassboro. The com- the common goal among the group is to confront both the police department for its per- uh, persevere- persevered in inaction and the community members who might know but so far refuse to say who took part in the killings. So, pretty much, I like the fact that people are taking uh, initiative and actually, like, going up there. Honestly, I think it was too long because this whole event with uh, Michelle happened in 1995. Like, yeah. And now, in 2016, I mean, it's 2018 now, but in 2016, they're finally taking action. Yeah. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. I think that took way too long. Um, and the biggest thing that Eddie wants to know is why. Like, why did someone kidnap his 17-year-old daughter? And he says she was a perfect angel and murdered her. You know, left her on the side of the road, strangled, completely naked. Just, he wants to know why. And if someone who can put the name to his daughter's killer's face, please do so. Do you have information on that? Where they can give, like, you know... Well, when I looked around, there was no numbers or anything. I think I'm pretty sure you could just call the Gold Bar, like uh, North Carolina Goldsburg Police Department. That's probably the best link. Okay. That's all the information I have. It's not. It wasn't too deep. It was. Um, there wasn't really a court case about it because there's no one. Hasn't yeah, not yeah, it yet. And um, the only two people I ever did reports on it was that was WRL and Goldsboro News Argus, which is in North Carolina. So that's all the information I really have on that, but. And what's the name of the victim again one more time? Her name is Michelle Renee Wayne. Murdered at age 17. Well, shit. Right? That's a young age. She's only 17. That's upsetting. It is upsetting. And guess that wraps up our show for today. Alright. We'll see you in about two weeks. After this comes out, we should be on a Tuesday. You're not editing it, so I don't know why you're looking around. I don't know. <laughs> you're looking at me. Like, I, love, I don't know. I don't know how to edit this stuff. And also, I'd like to add in that we are part of a great network now called Color Commentary Podcasting Network. Oh, yes. Check them out. A network. Check us out. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a broadcasting network <laughs> by people of color to feature hosts of shows made by people of color. And you should go check it out at ccpods.net. Check us out on Twitter. I fucked up, so it's is a brush. It's a brush instead of you know, <laughs> bruh. <laughs> and then Facebook at bruh is a murder. And then you can check us out also on iTunes and SoundCloud. Yes, we're also on SoundCloud. It will be on Spotify soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.